This week we are going to read Parashas HaChodesh, which talks about the Korban Pesach, but also about the Mitzvah of Kiddush HaChodesh. There is an interesting story in the Gemara, Maseches Shabbos, Daf Kuf Mem Zayin, Amud Beis, that tells us about something very strange that happened when the Rabbi Lazar Benarach tried to read this Parsha. But before that, it talks to us about the ten Shvatim, Aseres Shvatim, which commonly called the ten lost tribes. Um, what really happened to them? How come they got lost? So I'm going to start with the first line of the Gemara and then give it a little bit of a background about the ten Shvatim. Amar Rabbi Chelboy, Chamro de Purgaisa Omaya de Diom says, Kipcho Aseres Shvatim Yisrael. Rabbi Chelbo says that the wine from Purgaisa and the water from the Yomses have deprived the ten Shvatim from the rest of Bnei Yisrael. Rashi explained that the wine in, he calls it Purgisa, and the water and the bath, the spas of a place called the Yomses, were so pleasant that when the ten Shvatim got there, they indulged into those pleasures and they forgot their, the Torah and thereby they uh, assimilated. Now, let's give, give a bit of a background. Who are these Ten Shvatim? So, the Ten Shvatim, basically, besides from Binyamin and Yehuda and many Levim, Kayanim, uh, they were exiled by the Ashurim. It was a while before the Churban by Israel, a while before Galus Bavel, the Ashurim the Assyrians have uh, conquered and uh, Eretz Yisrael, besides from Malchus Yehuda, and they have um, exiled those tribes. The way they were doing it is that they would scatter them amongst the nations, so like this, making sure they're not going to stay in their own place and be tempted to rebel. Um, now, you could ask yourself, where are they today? Where are those ten Shvatim today? There, there isn't a place in the world that we haven't discovered uh, by now. So obviously that the ten Shvatim are people we know about. We or they don't even know that they're Jewish. There are a lot of speculation about who they may be. Not in the scope of this discussion. We could discuss it another time. But the big question is, how could a nation completely disappear? How could it be that the two and a half Shvatim have continued to practice Torah mitzvahs and ten Shvatim, just because they were exiled before everybody else, they're, they're gone. So, well, the answer is, look, there are many people who have been uh, in Golos, many, many part of our communities, of, of our, of our um, nation that has been put in Golos far away and yet, even though they were very remote, being that they were in contact with the Chachamim, for example, in Yemen, they were there since Churban by Israel, and yet they were in contact, constant contact with the Chachamim, and therefore they kept Torah mitzvahs exactly like Jews anywhere else in the world. As long as Torah, Bifrat Torah is taught, transmitted, and perpetuated, you know that they're not going to assimilate. So what caused the Aseres HaShvatim to assimilate to the point in which we don't even know who they are? So this piece of Gemara explains to us that, well, once they have indulged in the pleasures of Ayla Maze and 
it was just about the wine and the spas, um, they then didn't have anything holding them back to uh, their religion. And slowly, but not surely, but slowly, slowly, they have found themselves to be completely gone. And that's what the first statement is about uh, this. The first statement of the story here in the Gemara is, is, is exactly that. Um, everyone's mentioned that, uh, you know, when we are busy learning Torah, practicing mitzvahs, then we will um, prevail as a nation. Um, but when we indulge into Elamaze, so then this is what happens. This is what may happen. The Gemara then continues by telling us an interesting fact about these places. Rabbi Lazar ben Arach Ikla lehasam. Rabbi Lazar ben Arach went there, happened to find himself there. Imshich basraihu, he was drawn after them. After them, Rashi explains, after the wine and after the bath and the spas. Ikar Talmude, to the point in which his learning, his study, his knowledge was uprooted, meaning disappeared, forgotten. Kihadar, when he came back from there, also come le mikre besifro. He got up to read in the Sefer Torah. You know that in those days, when you get an Aliyah, you were the one reading the Sefer Torah. So he got up to read in the Sefer Torah. And he wanted to read. But instead, he couldn't read the letters properly. Omar, he said... Which translates into have their heart become deaf. When Chachamim saw that such a great scholar wasn't even able to read the word properly, they were very distressed. The Chachamim Davin on his behalf, the Hadar Talmudei. And his learning came back and his knowledge came back. This story is also brought in uh, Midrash Koheles in uh, Perik Zayin. And Ben Yoyada mentions that uh, the way the story is more elaborated in, in Koheles maybe gives us a bit more of a context. And uh, so I'll share with you the context of the story, the way it is uh, written there. And then we'll explain some perplexing part of the story. So he says that Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai, as we know, had five Talmidim. Rabbi Lazar ben, ben Arach was one of, was the best of them, was the most knowledgeable of them, strongest of his Talmidim. As long as Rabbi ben Zakkai was alive, they all stayed with him. They were always with him. When Rabbi Yechanan ben Zakkai passed away, Four of the five went to Yavne. But Rabbi Lazar ben Arach said, let me go back to my wife. Let me go back to my place first. He went back. And when he was there, his wife told him, don't, don't, don't leave. Don't go back. 
And she gave him a whole muscle, you know, if the, the mice need the bread, who goes to whom? The bread to the mice or the mice to the bread? Those Chachamim you want to go back to, to Yavne, they need you. Let them come here. Those Chachamim didn't want to go there. They were not interested in the wine or the bath or the spas. They wanted to be in Yavne, the place of the Chachamim. So they didn't come. So Belazar remained by himself. And when he wasn't surrounded by the Torah study, he indulged in the wine and the, and, and the spas um, until his learning was completely forgotten. Which, by the way, you know, the Philip Kebbe always gave the example that if a person started on a road and uh, he's traveling down the path and then suddenly finds himself in the thick of the forest, well, that didn't happen suddenly. One doesn't find himself in the thick of the forest just like this in a moment. What happened is that he deviated from the path, from the, the paved road, um, a very teeny slight angle, an angle that is not really noticeable to the traveler. So therefore he doesn't realize that he's going off the main road a little bit. But then after a long time of this slight little deviation, you find himself very, very far away and very difficult to find your way back. So, you know, in the pshat of, of things, we could say that perhaps Abelazah ben Arach, such a great tzaddik, but yet slowly, slowly found himself far away from his Torah. But nonetheless, we, we need to really ask ourselves, how could such a great person. Like Rabbi Lazar ben Arach where it says in Pirkei Oves that if all of Chachme Yisrael would be on one side of the scale, Rabbi Lazar would be on the other side of the scale, he would outweigh all of the other Chachamim. And that is a testimony from his Rebbe Rabbi Chachamim Zakai. So how could we say that somebody like him will end up unable to read HaChodesh Hazel Lochem How could it be? We also need to explain how this um, event is related to the Psukim. You know that everything in the Torah, everything in the Gemara is betachlis adiyuk, is extremely precise. So when details are given to us, is not only to put the context, but it also relates to the actual facts of the story. So we understand what happened to Rabbi Lazar. We know now what happened to Rabbi Lazar ben Arach. But we need to understand how what happened to him relates to this Psukim HaChodesh HaZelochem and to the way he read it, HaCheresh HaYalibam. So to explain this, we first have to talk about what is Achaydesh Hazelachem. As I mentioned, Achaydesh Hazelachem, we are reading it this Shabbos before Achaydesh Nisan. This is about Achaydesh Shel Geula. So Achaydesh Hazelachem is all about Geula. Geula from Mitzrayim. Geula from Egypt. 
We know that Egypt is a geographical place. It's a place on the globe. But it's also a state. I don't mean a state as a political state. I mean a state of mind. And that is some kind of confinement. Metsari mugvulim, meaning limitations. We know that oilam katan zeha adam, human body, is a reflection, so to speak, of the entire world. So if there is a place in the world that is called Mitzrayim, there has to be a place in our body that is called Mitzrayim. Chassidus explained that the Mitzrayim in our body is our neck. The neck is called Meitzar Hagaroin, the narrowing of the throat. So then you understand, you know, the narrowest place in our body, um, the trunk, so to speak, is, is our neck, Meitzar. So you see that there is a connection with the word Mitzrayim, but there must be more than just same kind of word. So how do our neck compare to uh, Mitzrayim? Well, our neck is that space that is between our brain and our heart. Moreover, between our head and the rest of our body. It's very interesting how everything that makes our, our body, that sustains our body, has to go through the neck. Um, the food is going through our stomach, to our stomach, and yet it first has to go into our head, our mouth, right? And through the neck, and then down our digestive system. The air we breathe is going into our lungs, but they first have to go through our mouth, our nose, our head, and then through the neck into the rest of our body. Obviously, our nervous system begins in the brain and then from there spread throughout the body, but through the neck. Our blood is being pumped in the heart, but it needs to go through the neck, the main arteries, going up to the brain, back down to the, to the heart, to the rest of the body. So you see that the neck is a necessary passage. Maybe it could be bypassed with, with you know, medicine, but that's usually for unhealthy reasons. For a healthy person, it needs to go through the neck. And that is because any time there is a great hashpa, hamshacha, ispashtus, any time there is a great um, flow, of, of anything, of energy, of power, it has to first be condensed. And then after it's condensed, it could be spread in a much more benef beneficial way. Just imagine, you're trying to pour from a barrel into small bottles. You need a funnel. If you are not going to use a funnel, then it's going to go all over the place. It's not going to end up in the vessels that you intend to fill up. It's just going to go all over the place. So the same thing for our intellect, the same thing even for our midas, and of course our air, our oxygen, our blood, our food, it first needs to all end up in a place in which, through which it will be funneled,
and then spread and distributed in a functional, beneficial way. That is what the Metzah is. The only thing is, though, that this is also the place that is in between our intellect and our heart. Between our Seichel and our Midas. Of course, the intention is a good one. The intention is that our Seichel will end up properly and be used properly by our Midas. It will influence our Midas properly. The only problem is that once everything has to go through the passage of the neck, then, just like in Mitzrayim, there could be officers standing there at the border and preventing the free flow of goods and people and so on. Nobody was able to escape Mitzrayim because at the exit, at the border of Mitzrayim, there were what we call the Sare Paroi, the officers of Paroi that were there preventing people from leaving Mitzrayim. So in our Oilam Katan Adam, in our Mitzrayim, in the Mitzrayim in our body, there also are Paroi's officers who are standing there at the neck and trying to stop the flow from our Seichel into our Midas. Yetzias Mitzrayim in that case, Geulef on Mitzrayim in that case will obviously be being able to go through the Metzaragorin without any obstruction. In other words, the Geula of this personal Mitzrayim would mean being able to allow our Seichon to have the proper hashpa on our Midas. That our knowledge shouldn't just remain a knowledge, which is in our head, but is not going to travel through the rest of our body, whether it is our emotion, our midas, or our action. That's what Mitzrayim is. Geulah of Mitzrayim is to make sure that Yusechel actually has a hashpon the midas. And this also is reflected in the Pasuk Ve'edata Hayoim Levavecha. Apparently, when you say Ve'adata Ayom, you will know today, so you should have said Vashavoisa El Sichlecho. You will know, so you will bring it into your mind. The Pasuk says, No, you will know. Therefore, you will bring it into your heart. So, what happens when? There is this Mitzrayim. What happens is that the heart then becomes deaf. The heart doesn't hear the head. Because the message from the head has been stopped at the neck. Stuck in Mitzrayim. If he doesn't hear, he's deaf. Hence, instead of saying which refers to the Geula of the personal Mitzrayim, what was read was have their heart become deaf. The heart becomes deaf, meaning that the heart 
is not getting the signals from the head. Because there is no Achedesh Hazalachem, there is no Geule from Mitzrayim. It's interesting that what happened when uh, one is deaf, cannot talk either. But the reason why he cannot talk, not because he doesn't have the ability to talk, is because he never heard. And since he never heard, he is unable to express himself. When our heart is deaf and it doesn't hear, so therefore it becomes mute as well. Ebb explains that this Shmiya hearing is referring to understanding. And this talking Dibu, which is the expression, is referring to how this understanding reveals himself in our Midas. When you say the heart is deaf, it's not only limited to the inability of the heart to hear the message of the head, but it also renders the heart unable to express itself. Express itself in terms of actions and in terms of midas. This reflects also, this message that Rebbe brings uh, is reflected also in um, a few lines that the Maharsha brings in the Chodesh Agadis right here in this page of Gemara. And he says that although Rabbi Elazar ben Arach was a Mayan Amisgaber, but which means that Mitzat, his mind and his intellect, he was an infinite source of wisdom. But if his heart becomes deaf, and he calls it not just cheresh, but we have the expression in rabbinic tradition, Lev Ha'even, based on Psukim in Tanakh, heart of stone. A stone meaning that it's so hard that it cannot absorb anything. Then cheresh ayalibam. That heart becomes a heart of stone and doesn't hear the Mayana Mizgaber, the infinite wisdom that there is. Eventually, if that wisdom cannot be expressed in the Midas, it cannot be expressed also in the speech. Which then explains why this was the mistake in reading. It wasn't just a random mistake in reading from Hacheresh, Hayal, Libam. But this mistaken reading was actually very much expressive of what led Rabbi Lazar ben Arach to get, to get there. We could understand this perhaps a bit more with a, a story that Rabbi writes in Rishimus about a chassid of the Alter Rebbe, who was a, a very talented man. When the Rebbe relates the story it was told to him by the Fredrikir Rebbe, the Rebbe calls the man a fartiker, a complete person. He was a chassid that was about Nigle. He understood Nigle very well. He was also a masculine. He was also someone who understood chassidus. He had a good heart. And being that he was a very successful businessman and very rich, he knew how to use his wealth wisely. And properly, he gave a lot of tzedakah. 
But he had one difficulties. He was also, he calls him a mefunak. Spoiled. He always made sure to eat very exquisite food and he always dressed perfectly. And he was very makpid on this. One time this chassid was in a company of a chassid of a different rebbe. And he saw how that chassid daven with great islavus. There was fire in his davening. And he couldn't reach that fire. Wasn't getting this enthusiasm. So he actually went to the Alter Rebbe to complain. And he says, Rebbe, I'm the one who learns chassidus and understand what is davening all about. Who I'm davening to. And yet, this chassid, this other man who doesn't have that knowledge of who is davening to and what does it really mean. Yet he's the one who had the enthusiasm and I couldn't. The Alter Rebbe asked him, and where do you want this Islavus to come from? From the white bread that you eat the whole week or from the silk garments that you wear the whole week? You know, in those days, white bread was, was a delicacy. It was reserved for Shabbos. Silk clothing, too delicate. You only risk it, you wear it on your own Shabbos. But he was very much indulging into his clothing and his food and so on. So what Alter Rebbe was telling him is, listen, there is only so much enthusiasm Islavus to go around. You want to use it up for your food and your clothing? Well, that's where it's going to go. Yeah, you have that knowledge. You have that understanding. But there is that neck, Metzar Agorin in between. And your heart is not hearing all of what you know. And why? Simply because by indulging into this Gash Mzike pleasures, just like Rebbe Lazar ben Arach with the wine, with the spas and the bath, you're actually feeding this Sare Paroi. You are feeding this obstruction. You know, like the Alter Rebbe writes, Prektes in Tanyek, comes in Neufel. When you feed one side, you weaken the other side. So let us have our a geulas mitzrayim, a geula mitzrayim, from our own individual mitzrayim. Let the power of this laning hachodesh hazel lochem. resound inside of us and gives us the koyach to have and perform practice our individual geula. Let our heart not be a cheresh. I just want to add two uh, little things. We know we're getting close to Nisan. Chodesh al geula is a chodesh also of the Yemuledes the Nasi. Ben Yoyada brings something very interesting. He says that in the mistake that he made, the letters, Cheresh Haya Libam. So he basically exchanged the Dalet, the Zayin, and the Chaf. He exchanged them for 
which letter? Resh, a Yud, and a base, which spells out Rebbe. So the way the Benishchai brings it over there is to say, well, his, he made a mistake and his error was spelling out the word Rebbe, just like people were calling him Rebbe and it was a mistake because he had forgotten his knowledge at that time. I'll tell you what I took out from this Benishchai. We, 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 all, we all do the, this mistake all the time. Unfortunately, is not in a question mark, but it's really a statement. And how do we get out? How do we get out of this Mitzrayim? How do we get to Achoydesh Hazelochem? Maybe we need to acknowledge first Achoydesh Hazelochem and then bring out those letters, Rebbe. It's Kashrus to the Rebbe. Reminds us and gives us that Koyach to constantly get out of our personal Mitzrayim. And now to finish, I just want to mention something uh, interesting, not directly related to uh, this subject, but because of Acher Shayalibam. There was a man who uh, recorded a speech of Reb Levik, the Rebbe's father, that was done on the Shabbos HaChodesh in the shul, in his shul in Nipe Petrovs is called today. And he said that this word are the three excuses that we give anytime we're trying to get out of doing something good, something that we're being told to do. So he really mentioned the idea of tzedakah, but it could be ex- extrapolated on, on to anything else. So he says, uh, you know, somebody comes to you and they ask you for tzedakah. So first response will be hacheresh. I, I didn't hear you. I didn't hear the, the bell ring. I didn't think you were talking to me. And we try to ignore it. Then he insists, and we will give them the second answer, which is, Haya, I gave you already. I gave you last time. In the past, Haya. And finally, we would say, Libam, I really want to help you. You know, in my heart, I feel for you and I want to help you. But he remains in your heart. So Ablevik says, those three excuses of trying to get out from doing, from giving tzedakah, are a result of indulging in our own wine and spas. Just like Abelazo Benarach went to Purgisa, Diomses. His answer was, When we answer the same thing, it's for the same reason. We are too invested in ourselves to feel, really feel the need of another person to the point of actually helping him, that we gave him this terutzim. Bunch of excuses. I would say that this is also true for anything. Anytime somebody is telling you, a mashpia is telling you, it's time to daven better, it's time you, you learn better, you go to, to do more uh, 
refinement on yourself. So we're going to give the same three answers. First is Acheresh, talking to me? Me? I, was, I don't know what you're saying. Secondly, we'll say, oh yeah, yeah, you're coming from a different generation. You don't understand the challenges of now. In the past, this was the way of life. Today is all different. And finally, sometimes you get the answer, Libam. I know, I feel it. I know what you're saying. In my heart, I'm really with you. But somehow there is this Sareparoi that are blocking the flow to affect it, to affect your heart and to make you change. Chevrei, this time we stop with Acheresh Libam and we move on to the Geula of Achoydesh Azelochem, Choydesh Shel Geula.